my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Welcome to another episode of the Mark Moss Show, where we talk about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. We're talking about the decentralized revolution. We're talking about the way the world is changing right before our very eyes. It's full of opportunities. It's full of problems. It's full of uh, exciting changes and developments, and it's full of scary changes, especially if you're not positioned to take advantage of them. But whether you see it or not, whether you like it or not, the world is changing. And so it's up to you. You can decide to either be a part of it and take advantage of it, or you can decide to get mad and uh, ignore it. But my favorite author, well, not my favorite author, one, an author I like, we'll say that, sorry. Uh, I'm talking about Ayn Rand, I quote her all the time. She says that you can choose to ignore reality, but you cannot ignore the consequences of reality. And so the reality is, is the world is changing. And uh, you can keep waiting for things to go back to normal. But there ain't, there ain't, there ain't, there is no normal. There ain't going back the way they ever were. And that's because technology changes things. Um, you know, politically, socially, culturally, financially, um, things kind of repeat over and over and over. But it's technology that changes. And it's the technology that changes the way that we work, organize, communicate. And so that 
we're not going back. Now, a lot of people, particularly uh, the governments, they want to stop technology, which is amazing. Um, if you think about, you know, the whole world, 300 years ago, pretty much the whole world was dirt. And um, when I say dirt, I mean, uh, we, you know, we didn't have structures over like two stories high, right? We had bricks, we had two, maybe two or three stories high. Uh, and, and that was it, right? We, we didn't have any electricity. We had no, we had nothing. It wasn't until the Industrial Revolution about 250 years ago that we started to actually get some stuff besides just living in the dirt on the on the on the farms and the fields. And um, in the last 200 years, we've had steel, which allowed us to build skyscrapers and bridges and electricity and and all these things. And it's technology, and and then through that, it's allowed us to specialize our labor. And then we have massive improvements in science and technology and um, sanitation, and that's allowed our life expectancy to go up and all these amazing things. And so progress has been amazing. You know, I used to have to buy film and uh, I could take 30, I think it was like 32 pictures on my camera. And now I can take a million just on my phone, right? Progress is amazing. It allows us to do all types of things like we're doing right now, work from home. Um, but the politicians, the powers that be want to stop it because they don't like the progress, but they can't be stopped. Technology's here no matter what. And one of the ways that the world is changing is that over the last 250 years, the world has been becoming centralized. Um, the, tech, the Industrial Revolution led people um, out of the farms and fields into the cities and factories. And it began, it began this uh, whole move towards centralization. We had these giant corporations and these giant companies and all these things. And now that trend is reversing. And I've been talking about this, so I talk about the decentralized revolution. And now things are starting to reverse, and the internet is what really enabled that to start happening. And so now, you know, via Zoom, people can work from anywhere. And um, instead of these big, giant companies, now we have all these small companies. Instead of needing this big building with all these people, now I just have people working remotely all over the world kind of a thing. And so it's the technology that's really changing that. And then, of course, through the, through the pandemic, it really accelerated that, right? We saw that everyone was forced to work from home. So even companies that thought no way I could ever have my workforce working from home found out, shoot, actually I can kind of works pretty good. And people that said, no way I could ever work from home. Um, I need to be in the office found out actually I like working from home. And so it was this massive catalyst that pushed people to do things they never would have done ordinarily. Um, and once that genie's out of the bottle, it ain't going back. And that's exactly uh, what we've seen. Uh, we're seeing, uh, even though companies are able to go back to work, they don't want to. Latest this week, we saw uh, saw in the Wall Street Journal, Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook and now Meta said that they are now taking remote work to the extreme. They said executives are scattering to locations far from Silicon Valley headquarters, working from Hawaii, Cape Cod, Europe, etc. And so, you know, in the United States, you know, we have some beautiful places in the United States. Idaho, Montana, you know, Colorado. But if you really want to be successful, you had to move to the city. You had to be in San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York City, something like that. Well, now people can be wherever. That's why we're seeing real estate prices go crazy in places like Idaho, Montana, Wyoming, et cetera. Uh, I don't know. Two months ago, I drove, I, I drove about up. up I don't know. It's not in Northern California. About six hours north of, of where I live is a Mammoth Mountain. It's a snow, it's snow ski, snowboard place here in California. And we were driving back. And I remember talking to my daughter and I was like, it was about a six hour drive. For the, like the first four hours driving back, you don't see anything. I mean, it's just nothing. Right. And then you get to LA and then you start getting all the traffic and stuff like that. And it's like as crowded as California is, it's really not that crowded. 
Um, it's just people are in the cities. But now people are able to move all over the place and not just into Colorado, Wyoming, Idaho, but they can move now to uh, Mexico or El Salvador or whatever they want. And so uh, we're seeing that pick up. As a matter of fact, like I said here, Facebook says um, the company's management, including chief executive Mark Zuckerberg, is scattering to locations far from its Silicon Valley headquarters in an extreme test of the limits of remote work. It says, quote, the past few years have brought new possibilities around the ways we connect and work. And uh, said uh, spokesman Tracy Clayton, um, quote, we believe that how people work is far more important than where they work from. And so um, if Meta can do it and uh, all these other companies can do it, then then everyone else can. And this is a trend that's going to continue. This is part of the decentralized revolution. Now, if we're working from anywhere, then we need tools to do that. So we need, obviously, Zoom is a good one. Facebook is, you know, they changed their name to Meta. I suppose they're building out this whole metaverse, and maybe that's going to be a new way that it can work. Uh, what's cool is that, you know, companies like this will be pioneering this. They'll be putting a bunch of money into all these new tools and ways to do this, ways, that, like I said, the ways we communicate, organize, and communicate. Um and then that technology, those things will then start trickling down to other people like us. Meta said in June that it would allow all full-time employees to apply to work from home if their jobs allowed it. It says Meta has shifted to a hybrid model that allows most employees, including top executives, to work from wherever they deem best. Man, that's pretty cool. So like I could go, as long as you have internet, and now like with uh, Elon Musk's Starlink, I can get a satellite dish that's about the size of a coffee table and I can have broadband internet anywhere in the world. I can go to the South Pacific and live on a little island and just have broadband. I could work from there now. That's pretty cool. And so this is only going to continue. And, you know, we'll see more of these tools really starting to develop. And that will, like I said, will trickle down to the rest of us. And we'll need tools to communicate better. So like I said, like the Zoom and whatnot. Um, but then we also need a money. <laughs> we also need a money that can work like that. And so we need a money that's truly global. And that can be sent. Now, the problem with the current financial system is it's um, it's permissioned. So it takes per, you have to have permission to join it. That's why about 2 billion adults, about half the adults, more than half the adults in the world today have no access to the financial system because they don't have permission. And in order to send money around the world, it's very difficult uh, because each country has their own walled garden, if you will. Um, and so there's all these gateways that money has to go in and out, and then they want to extract all these heavy fees. And depending on where you're at in the world and how much money you're sending, you could spend 20 to 30% of the uh, of the amount you're sending could be eaten up in fees. And so and in addition to that, it makes it very inconvenient or really unprofitable to send small amounts of money. So for example... How could you send 10 cents today to somebody in another country? 10 cents. The answer is you can't. And so we need a money that's uh, both uh, borderless, permissionless, um, and instantaneous and free. And of course, Bitcoin works perfectly into that decentralized revolution piece. Um, and that's just one way that we're seeing that happen. Meta is kind of leading the way. Um, but that's not the only way. Like I said, with Bitcoin... Op really opening that up, we're seeing more and more um, people jumping into that. As a matter of fact, um, one of the biggest names in finance, actually two, two of the biggest names in finance 
announced this week that they are getting into Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. That is big news. Two of, I mean, I'm talking the biggest names. I'm going to tell you about those. Also, there's two states that have opened it up. That's pretty amazing. Uh, big, big news. i got a couple of those stories to talk about uh, in a minute. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about the decentralized revolution, talking about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. Really trying to bring all of this into context, especially by bringing you some of the latest breaking news of the week. i got a lot more when I come back, so do not go away. I'll be right back. Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. All right, welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. And I am keeping you up to date with the latest breaking news on the decentralized revolution. We're talking about Bitcoin. We're talking about cryptocurrencies. We're talking about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology. And again, like I said, the decentralized revolution. Before the break, I was talking about how um, Meta, Facebook, announced that uh, everyone can go work from anywhere that they deem fit now, which is pretty amazing. And it's a trend Right? This is a trend. You have to think about these things and think about where they go. And this is just going to continue to lead to the world decentralizing. The world continue to move out of the cities where everyone's over the crowded and uh, moving to places wherever, wherever they want, wherever they deem fit. It's pretty cool. Um, and so that's one of the reasons why like you know, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, is, it's just inevitable. I mean, it's, it's inevitable at this point. We're past the point of no return. That's why I'm calling Bitcoin the best risk-adjusted investment I've ever seen. Uh, we're past that point. And it's not just me that thinks that. As a matter of fact, um, two of the biggest names, I don't, I'm not saying um, some of or a few of, no, no, no. I'm saying two, pro- probably, probably the two biggest. I mean, I'm, I'm going to claim it that. The two biggest names in finance in the world, period. I'm going to claim it like that have just made some big announcements this week. Uh, when I say two of the biggest, uh, no, 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 sorry. <laughs> I keep going back to that. Not two of the, I'm saying two, the two biggest. So what? who am I talking about? Well, first of all, I'm talking about Ray Dalio. Ray Dalio is a famous Bridgewater Capital. Um, and Bridgewater Capital is uh, the the world's largest hedge fund, period the world's largest hedge fund. So I'm not saying some of or one of, no, 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 the largest. Um, And uh, Ray Dalio's Bridgewater says that they are investing into a crypto fund. That's what they said. Um, And that's pretty big news. Now, Ray Dalio, he's he's very vocal, very outspoken. He's on lots of news um, channels. As a matter of fact, uh, he he recently put out a new book that I'm reading right now. It's pretty good. the New World Order, I think it's called. I'm, I don't know, four or five chapters in. Uh, it's a good, it's a good read. If you, if you want to check it out, I'd recommend it. But uh, he, so he, he's pretty prolific. He puts a lot of information out there. But Bridgewater Capital um, has now said that they are going to be investing into cryptocurrencies. And what's interesting about it is that um, this is a big pivot. It's a big pivot because um, just about a year ago they said they weren't into it at all. So for them to go from a year ago, like we're not into it to like, okay, now we're in officially in, it's a pretty big deal. 
Um, and that's why I continue to say like it is not going away. Now, um, Ray Dalio himself. So this is Bridgewater Capital, the largest you know the largest uh, hedge fund in the world. But Ray Dalio himself did come out publicly and say that he added Bitcoin to his portfolio. And I'd like to point out, he said Bitcoin, not crypto. Um, so he did personally come out and say that, but now the fund has officially come out and said that they are into cryptocurrency. So uh, that's big news. It's really big news. Like I said, the the world's largest head fund, but he's not the only one. I said the two largest. So that's one. Who's the second largest? Well, they're also they're also the world's largest in just a little different way. I'm talking about Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock. You've probably heard of BlackRock before. Uh, maybe not in a good way. Uh, their symbol is BLK. And Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, has confirmed that the world's largest asset manager, the world's largest asset manager, so... Bridgewater Capital is the world's largest hedge fund. And now BlackRock is the world's largest asset manager. And now they're exploring how to serve clients with with uh, with cryptocurrencies as well. And very similar to Bridgewater Capital and Ray Dalio, what's interesting is that it says here that Fink, Larry Fink, he's the CEO, Fink cited increasing interest from clients around digital currencies in a letter to shareholders on Thursday. What's interesting is it says that Fink's comments are at sharp odds with his previous assessment of client interest in crypto. In July of last year, Fink said that he has not seen much demand for digital assets. So July of last year, he was asked in an interview, and he said that there was not much demand for cryptocurrencies back then, July of last year, less than a year ago. But now he said in the letter to shareholders that because of the increasing interest from clients, now they're going to jump into it. It's a pretty big deal. Now, again, he's the world's largest asset manager. So imagine the type of clients that they have. Um, it's pretty big, right? So um, that's a big that's a big shift in sentiment from a year ago. No one's really into it. And now this massive demand for it to be there. And so um, these are things that you should not be sleeping on. These are things that you need to be paying attention to. It's a big, 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 big deal. And it just continues on from there. Of course, uh, like I was telling you before, the governments around the world are going to want to stop this. They don't like it, right? Why don't they like it? Because it builds a new system that they can't control. And so you've heard me talk many times about El Salvador. Um, El Salvador is the first nation in the world to make Bitcoin actually legal tender. Legal tender means that you would be able to buy um, anything, any, anywhere, anyone selling anything in the, in the nation of El Salvador, country of El Salvador, must now accept Bitcoin as payment. That's what legal tender means. And so they were the first to do that. Now, um, a lot of people in the world don't like that. And as a matter of fact, the United States doesn't seem to like it. Like, what the heck does the United States care if uh, El Salvador uses Bitcoin or not, right? El Salvador is like so far down. I think they're like uh, maybe 92, uh, rank 92 in the world on like GDP or something. I mean, they're way down there. What the heck does the United States care? Well, they do. The U.S. Senate is now considering a new bill to examine El Salvador's Bitcoin experiment which is uh, crazy. It says the U.S. Senate will vote on a bill looking to mitigate the risks to the U.S. financial system from El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin as legal tender. 
Hmm. They want to mitigate the risks of the U.S. financial system from El Salvador's adoption of Bitcoin. What kind of risks? El Salvador's tiny. El Salvador's a little tiny little speck for the United States. What potential risk could there be? This says the, uh, you'll love this, the ACES Act. Oh, what a good name. The ACES Act, the Accountability for Cryptocurrency in El Salvador. A-C-E-S. The um, ACES Act was introduced by Senators James Risch of Idaho, Bob Mendez of New Jersey, and Bill Cassidy of Louisiana. Um, And it says, quote, as El Salvador has adopted Bitcoin as legal tender, it's important we understand and mitigate potential risk to the U.S. financial system. Um, He added that legislation would require the state and treasury departments, among other federal agencies, to mitigate risks such as potential empowerment of China. Oh, man. I mean, I always go back to this quote that Christine Lagarde said, which was, um, um, innovation threatens financial stability. So it does. It does threaten financial stability. It it threatens the financial system that they have a monopoly on. But they can't do it by by stopping um, progress and change. Things change because they're better. We only give up something, we only give up an old way to go to a new way when the new way is better or when you're forced at gunpoint, which is what the government's trying to do. Uh, but either way, uh, there's a quote that I love. I forget who says it, but it says that you, uh, a standing army is no, I, is no match for a good idea whose time has come. And that's exactly what we're looking at here. I mean, when, when you have something that's a thousand times better like Bitcoin is, there's just no way they can stop it. You're listening to the Mark Moss Show. We're talking about Bitcoin, the decentralized revolution, the intersection of tech, politics, and finance. I got a lot more to come back about uh, when I come back. So do not go away. We'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Hey everyone, welcome back. You are listening to the Mark Moss Show where we discuss the decentralized revolution that the world is going through right now. We're talking about the intersection of politics, finance, but really it's all driven by technology. Of course, we're talking about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies and what that's doing to the world. And it's disrupting everything that we as we know it right that's what technology is doing and um, as i've made the case many times um, as it disrupts these things as it changes things and it changes it for the better um, if it wasn't better it wouldn't change uh, but as it changes things for the better um, it just creates fireworks and um, we see financial markets get reset. Um, it's good and bad for different actors, different players. But one of the things that typically comes out of this is war, unfortunately. And uh, war then creates its own set of problems. But it also helps to be the catalyst and, and really accelerate this change that's happening. Now, one thing that I've talked about extensively, if you've been tuning in, is how the financial system is changing, um, specifically because of a loss of trust in the financial system, and that's specifically because of, well, we can't trust people. Uh, The United States has continued to torpedo their own financial system, and in trying to slap all these sanctions on Russia um, because of this war situation, it's 
only sped up the inevitable switch will collapse and then switch to this new financial system. We saw this week, which, which was pretty interesting, is, um, is Russia has continued to try to respond to the sanctions that have happened to them. And as we've talked about before, if, if, you're, if you're just tuning in, I'm trying to catch you up here, but um, you know, obviously you know about the war with Russia, you understand that the, the whole world is trying to sanction them, trying to prevent people from doing business with them, helping them move their money. But the one thing, the main thing that Russia really supplies the world with is energy, We're talking about oil and gas. And so um, the U.S. can say, hey, you can't deal with U.S. dollars anymore. As a matter of fact, they seized all their dollars, their treasuries and whatnot. Um, but Russia still has a lot of energy to produce. Well, they could say, well, uh, you can't sell that for dollars anymore because you're not allowed to use our financial system anymore. And so we saw um, this week, big news came out of Russia that um, Putin said that they will now start selling their energy, their oil and gas in rubles. Um, that's their local currency. So that's pretty interesting in turn of events. Like all of these things have an equal and opposite reaction, right? So if the U.S. says, hey, you can't use U.S. dollars anymore, what, what, what happens? I mean, you don't just go away and die. <laughs> you now have to figure out another thing to do. And Russia has goods and services. They have oil and, and gas that the world desperately needs. The world desperately needs it. If, 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 uh, if Russia shut it off, or the world couldn't buy it from Russia, we would go into a severe depression. We, the world needs the oil and gas they produce. And so, because we need it, we're kind of in, this, in, a, in, a, in a tough situation. How do you sanction a nation and say you can't sell your goods and services, but the world needs them? And of course, um, the United States has danced around this issue, saying that... Um, well, we'll sanction them, but we won't sanction their energy kind of a thing. But it's a very touchy situation. And so we saw this week, like I said, Putin came out and said, you know what, we're just going to, we're going to sell our own, we're going to sell our energy in our currency. So if you want to buy it, then you have to convert your currency into our rubles. Um, and we'll do it that way. Now, what's interesting with that is um, we saw the... Um, if you look at currencies, currencies trade against each other. So if you've ever been to another country, you've had to exchange your currency for another. Um, and they trade at different points, meaning one currency is stronger than the other. Well, when this war broke out, the U.S. dollar to ruble conversion, which had, has remained um, pretty stable uh, for quite some time. As a matter of fact, it's traded within a pretty tight range for the last uh, really two years or so, meaning it's been the U.S. dollar to ruble conversion has been pretty stable for the last two years. But when the war broke out, I mean, all hell broke loose and we saw the ruble lose like over 90% of its value to the dollar. Just, just plummeted because no one would do business with Russia. Nobody wanted to use it. Nobody wanted to use that currency. But now all of a sudden, based off this announcement of Putin saying now that he wants to sell all their energy, which again, the world desperately needs, back only for rubles, we've seen the ruble gain almost 35% on the US dollar. It's bouncing back really strong. Pretty good move from Putin. Pretty interesting to see that play out. Now, this is this is this is these are the small moves. If you're looking at it closely, the big move is the world is moving away from dollars. That's the big move. 
But these are small moves. And so right now we're moving to the ruble. And I'm not saying the ruble is going to replace the dollar. What we're moving into is a decentralized world, right? I keep talking about the decentralized revolution. So these are all small moves that lead into this much bigger picture. But it's very interesting. Now, to counter that, um, we had... Um, nations come out and denounce that. As a matter of fact, we saw German Chancellor Olaf Scholz and we had Italian Premier Mario Draghi um, and their other counterparts in the EU nations. They told Russia, nope, you can't do that. You can't make us pay in rubles. Um, you have to honor the payments for the energy exports in the currency that was stated in the contract, which of course was typically US dollars or, or euros. And um, well, you know, we'll see how that plays out. But as gas prices surged more than 30% after Putin on Wednesday ordered the Russian Central Bank to develop a mechanism to force some countries to make ruble payments for natural gas within a week. But it says that uh, the, the G7, so the top seven nations in the world, they're not happy about this. They said that uh, the agreements um, are precise about the currency. It says that we can pay in dollars and you have to honor that. That's how it's done, and that's what we're going to pay with. And then Draghi from Italy went on to say that um, any request for payment in rubles would be a contract violation, and contracts are considered violated if Russia will implement this condition. So uh, <laughs> your contract's violated, but but what does Russia care? This is a war, right? And then Austrian Chancellor Karl Nehammer said his nation won't agree to an embargo on Russian gas or oil deliveries, telling reporters in Brussels that to sanction Russia energy would be, quote, unrealistic, not only for Austria, but other EU members such as Hungary, Czech Republic, and Slovakia. The EU should instead coordinate and focus on loopholes in the current massive sanctions package. So they're saying, look, look, you can try to sanction their oil. You can tell us that we can't buy their oil, but it's, that's unrealistic in his exact quote. Uh, we need it. We have to have it. And so um, Draghi can sit here and say, hey, that's a contract violation. You said in the contract we can pay you in dollars, but what does Russia care? Russia's like, hey, we can tell you we're going to pay, you know, we're going we're gonna to sell it and whatever we're going to sell it in. If you want it, you got to pay for it. And so again, I'm not, I'm not here trying to choose sides. I'm not saying which one is good, which one is bad, but it's interesting that we're literally witnessing the breakdown of the global financial system as we know it. And so um, just con we'll just continue to see that escalate. Of course, uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies being the big beneficiary of this, we've seen the price of Bitcoin has continued to blow up higher and higher or uh, bounce back, I should say. As a matter of fact, um, just in the last couple of weeks, we're up about 20% in the price of Bitcoin. We're up to over $44,000. It's still trading within a range. So, I mean, it's it's down from its high that it had made back in November of last year at about $67,000. Um, however, you know, it's been kind of wallowing in this thirty dollars to $40,000 range, and we're up over $44,000 at the time we speak right now. So, so it's certainly responding and maybe it's responding to that. It's also responding to the Florida just announced that they were going to accept Bitcoin for taxes. Florida governor DeSantis said we will accept Bitcoin for state taxes. That's a pretty big deal. At a signing ceremony Tuesday for a bill to mandate high school financial literacy classes, DeSantis said, I've told the state agencies to figure out ways where if a business wants to pay tax in Bitcoin to Florida, we should be willing to accept that. Um, he says they're working on it. And uh, of course, we know um, Miami Fran uh, Mayor Fran Francis Suarez has been working on that for a while. We also know that um, in Colorado, they've also passed a similar bill to pay state fees in Bitcoin. 
You're listening to The Mark Moss Show, talking about Bitcoin, the decentralized revolution, the way the global financial system is changing right before our very eyes. I got a lot more to go. Do not go away. I'll be right back. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. All right, welcome back. You're listening to The Mark Moss Show. We're talking about the decentralized revolution that we are going through right now as the world. We're talking about the way that politics and the finance system is colliding and it's really the technology being the catalyst for that. It's been pretty amazing to watch it if you're if you're watching the play-by-play uh, and I'm giving you the play-by-play each and, every, each and every week if you're tuning in to the Mark Moss Show. Before the break, we were talking about how uh, this, this Russia-Ukraine thing and some of the problems creating some of it, which is that Russia has oil and natural gas energy that the world desperately needs and uh, how the U.S. is being very careful about trying to sanction that. And how um, Putin said that you have to, you know, now any nation that wants their energy has to start buying it in rubles. Um, some nations are saying, well, that's that, that's a that's a that's a contract violation. And um, some nations are saying, well, shoot, uh, uh, we we can't go without it, so I guess we'll do whatever we have to do. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. We have uh, Biden calling for um, Putin to be kicked out of the G7, or I'm sorry, even the G20. Um, so what does that mean? The G20, that's the 20 largest nations in the world, says uh, Biden calls for Russia to be removed from the G20 um, be, you know, because of the whole situation that's going on. Um, and uh, he also said, because he, uh, by the way, uh, if you didn't know, Biden went over to Europe this week and he was over there talking to Germany and Italy about this. And so um, you know, he, he called for them to kick them out of the G20, which was, which was pretty interesting. Um, he was warning that uh, Putin is going to attempt to break up NATO. Uh, but some of the things he said is Biden said to expect real food shortages. He said that the world would experience food shortages as a result of the Russia's invasion of Ukraine and production increases were a subject of discussion at a group seven meeting. And so he says, quote, it's going to be real. So you can plan for that. Um, but the other thing that you have to be planning for because it's all about oil, it's all about energy, is you need to be prepared for oil prices and, more importantly, gasoline prices to go up and not come back down. Now, what's interesting is before, uh, as soon as Biden took office, long before any war with Russia was on the horizon, as soon as Biden took office, I think the national gas average was about $2.30 a gallon at the time. And I predicted on my YouTube channel, and uh, on Twitter, by the way, if you're not following me on, on YouTube, you should. It's uh, just search Mark Moss on YouTube or on Twitter. You can find me at one Mark Moss. Um, I predicted that gas would be $10 a gallon before Biden left office. This is long before there was a war on the horizon. Um, and uh, here we are in L.A. at seven fifty a gallon already in a year. And I'm like, dang, maybe maybe my prediction was too uh, too too short. Uh, but the one thing that we do know for sure is that gas prices are going to continue to go higher. Oil and gas will continue to suffer from this. Someone asked me, I think yesterday, um, do I think 
prices will go back down? And and the answer is no. I, I really don't. So be prepared for that. It's only going to get continue to get worse. Now, um, there's different ways that you can prepare for that. And one of which here in the state of California is pretty interesting. Uh, good old Governor Newsom has decided to, you know, bribe you off, you know, for the last two years, he's been the most restrictive, most strict dictator in the entire United States. And uh, he knows that uh, midterms are coming up and he's probably going to get voted out. So what am I going to do? Let me just buy a bunch of votes. So Newsom offers California car owners $400 in uh, rebates um, in uh, order to help offset these gas prices. And and um, a partial gas tax pause. So what does that mean? So if you're not aware, California has the highest prices of gas in the nation. And part of the reason why, in addition to all the clean air um, initiatives they put on, but part of it is because they have the highest tax. So they, you know, there's gasoline tax. And by the way, everyone says, if you don't pay taxes, what happens with the roads? Well, the roads aren't paid through your taxes. The taxes, the the roads are paid through gasoline taxes. Also, you've been hearing uh, lately, there's been talk about, um, <laughs> crack myself up thinking about it. The, the government wants to track the mileage you drive because they want to start charging you um, tax on the mileage you drive. But isn't that already paid through the gas? <laughs> uh, the more I drive, the more tax I pay on my gas. But anyway, another story. Uh, but they say that uh, Governor News, uh, Gavin Newsom is proposing a $9 billion tax refund aimed at registered drivers in California, giving them $400 to help offset the recent spike in gas prices. Um, he says that uh, $400 per registered vehicle, up to two per person. We're also proposing grants so public transit can be free for three months because what gas prices are going to magically come down after three months. Uh, that's kind of uh, interesting. I'm sure he's going to have to extend that. Uh, but it's interesting. I, I like it uh, in a sense for one selfish reason. And that selfish reason is that I have been ineligible for any type of stimulus over the last two years because I make over $75,000 a year. Um, but this says that every person with a car would be getting $400. It says um, for each vehicle they have registered. He says specifically this does not. It says the governor's office says eligibility for the proposed $400 rebates would not or would be based on vehicle registration, not tax records. So I might finally be able to get a little bit of stimulus. Because uh, shoot, man, my costs have gone up too, like everybody else. But I guess I make more than 75000 so I wasn't eligible for anything. But maybe I'll get this $400, bucks, um, which is interesting. Um, he said something that I thought was pretty ridiculous, though, um, about this specifically, which, like I said, I mean, selfishly, I guess I kind of like it for that. But he says, Newsom wants tax rebate and touts, quote, the California way of governing. The California way of governing. So what is that? What is the California way of governing? Governing Is that is that to just give money away? <laughs> That's what that's what the California way is. In California, we have the sanctuary city, um, right? We have all these different things that we give away, um, all these different grants. So I guess that's what he means by the California way of governing: give money away. But um, you know, hopefully it'll it'll give a little bit of support. But don't think that this is because of the war with Russia and it's going to go away. As I said, I predicted gas prices would be ten bucks a gallon when Biden took office long before there was any ever idea or thought of a war. What it's really because is because of a war on energy. 
I made a video on my YouTube channel. Um, you can search it. It's called Warning. Uh, what is it called? Um, just look up my YouTube channel. It's the, it's the most watched video. It's got almost about a million views on it. And I predicted about two years ago that we would go into this energy crisis that we're into right now. And the reason why I was able to predict that is because it's all based off of policy. In the, in the state of California, they've attacked energy, shutting down all the gas generation plants, shutting down nuclear power plants. Um, and what do you think is going to happen? Well, if you shut down energy and you don't replace it, <laughs> you end up with shortages. Amazing how that works, right? And when you end up with shortages, what happens? Oh yeah, prices go up on top of that. And in that video, I said, I think it was a warning what's happening in California is coming for the rest of the world, I believe is the title of that video. And um, and I said, it's coming for the rest of the world. And the reason why I knew it was coming for the rest of the world is because it was based off of policy. And I knew they would do the exact same policies. And the reason why I predicted $10 a gallon gas when Biden took office is because the very first day he was in office, the very first day, the most important thing he could do, apparently, was designed an executive order to shut down pipelines, shut down gas and oil exploration, and to put the United States back into the Paris Accord. And so that was an attack on oil. He nominated Amarova, Saul, Saul Amarova for the um, comptroller of the currency. She didn't get elected, but he nominated her. And she said, quote, we want oil companies to go bankrupt. So what do you think is going to happen? You bankrupt oil companies. They're not going to invest any new money into technology. They're not going to invest any new money into exploration, which means we're going to have a shortage. If we have a shortage. What do you think is going to happen? Prices are going to go up. It's not rocket science, but I'm here to explain it to you play by play. Just make sure you're bracing for that impact impact because it's coming. By the way, you're listening to the Mark Moss show. We're talking about the intersection of politics, finance, and technology, trying to bring it all into context of what's going on today. And it's all being driven by the technology. Of course, I'm talking about the decentralized revolution. It's being led by Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. It's coming. And you can choose to either be a part of it or be left behind. That part is up to you. My job is just to continue to fill you in on what's going on. Hit me up on, with a message on Twitter, at one Mark Moss. I'd love to hear from you. Let me know you're listening. Send me a question. I'd love to answer it for you. That's what I got for you today. All right, thanks for listening. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. 
It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota.